0: hey chicago fire fans welcome back to the feed the fire podcast i'm your host nick i hope you all had a happy safe memorable meaningful memorial day Uh, And remembering why we have this holiday, not just another day off work, but to remember the sacrifices that all of those in the armed forces made to allow us to have the freedoms we do have in this country. Um, So with that message being said, we are recapping the Chicago Fire's 3-3 draw against New England and taking a look forward to their midweek matchup against Toronto FC. We got a lot of goals to talk about in that New England game, so let's get right into it. On Saturday, May 27th, the Fire played New England in New England to a 3-3 draw. And right now, there are two kinds of Chicago Fire fans. Uh, The glass half full, as I'm calling them, and the glass half empty, right? The glass half full, the optimists. Hey, we're playing a lot better. We just took a point on the road to the third best team in the Eastern Conference. And then there's the pessimists. And this is where I usually tend to fall, mostly just from my own personality and growing up a Chicago sports fan, but it's it's the glass half-empty approach of, yeah, but the fire blew two leads in this game, one of two goals and one of a goal, and they still can't mark said pieces. So which fire fan are you? Are you the, are you the optimist who's like, point on the road, that's how you do it, or are you more like me where, oh uh, boy, we blew a two-goal lead and a one-goal lead. Unbelievable. Well, let's talk about it. Maybe this episode will help you kind of decide where you're at right now. Or are you just in the middle and along for the ride? That's fair, too. So to start, the fire actually had a bit of a formation shift in this match. Instead of their typical 4-2-3-1, they started a three-man back line with four midfielders uh, and then one attacking midfielder, Jared and Shakiri, and then our two strikers, Shabilko and Kutsius, up top. Now, the three-man back line had Pineda. The newly signed, extended new contract, Mauricio Pineda, as our center back, Wyatt Olmsburg on the left back, and then uh, Kendall Burks uh, as, as our right back. And this was in large part due to player availability, with Tehran being out injured, with Chihos still kind of nursing a few knocks that he's picked up and not at 100%, playing hurt, as Klopas said uh, a couple games back. So they really needed to rest those guys. And, and whenever Tehran gets back, you know, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Um, but then, of course, we see Pineda go out through concussion protocol. He took a shot to the head. I think the ball hit him in the head. Uh, and then they had to shift uh, later in the game to a four-man back line, back to that four-two-three-one, one to try and hold on to the lead. So this initial formation was as much out of necessity as it was a bit of a tactical wrinkle. I think we saw Klopas want to try to control the midfield. And that's why you saw uh, Jairo Torres getting the start in what typically is a Gaston Jimenez-Federico Navarro center midfield pairing. Now, Feddy Navarro was out serving his red card suspension, and we're not going to rehash that discussion because that just makes me depressed to think how he picked up those two terrible yellow cards uh, and the way the referee gave him out. But anyway, we see Jairo Torres coming in instead of, say, a Fabian Herbers or... Um, another midfielder off their bench, uh, a Casas or someone like that. So we see Hiro Torres now getting worked into the starting lineup a bit, trying to help uh, with that possession in the midfield or those quick counterattacks that they pulled off in this game. And you'll hear John Donovan mention it a little bit as our featured guest about halfway through the show. Now here's what head coach Frank Klopas said about using the three-man backline and a double pivot in his postgame presser. Quote, it's just the way we wanted to build our play up in possession. They had two forwards. We had the advantage in the back with the three. We boxed the midfield. They were in a diamond in the first 35, 40 minutes. We had the advantage playing out of the back. We always set the advantage in the middle with our pivots. When we played that and we switched the point of attack, we always set really good triangles and numerical advantage once we moved the ball. And yeah, for me, there was no issue with that at all. End quote. So we're getting, again, I'll say it again, we're getting a lot more tactical analysis from uh, Frank Klopas than we ever got from Ezra Hendrickson. And we're also seeing Klopas is actually doing some scouting here saying, hey, we knew they're going to come out with two forwards. That's how they like to play. So this is going to give us an advantage uh, in the formation rather than just running out the same 4-2-3-1 and same substitution patterns that we saw under Ezra Hendrickson. So these are the little changes that Klopas is doing that it looked to be getting a little bit more out of the Chicago Fire roster. And speaking of getting more out of the Chicago Fire roster, no one's play has improved since the coaching change more so than Jerdan Shakiri. And John Donovan's going to talk about it, but but he's right. There must have been something going on between Shakiri and Hendrickson. And maybe it's just Klopas is saying, dude, you you won Champions League. Like, I'm going to put you in the middle of the field. You do what you do. Go find the game. Be where you need to be. Don't get stuck dropping back too far in defense. Spring the counterattack, and, and I'll let you run the way you want to run, right? both literally run the way you were on a one and figuratively run the team, run your plays the way you run a run. So maybe that freedom has been much better for Shakiri. Now let's jump into the goals. we got six of them to talk about. We'll use these as some talking points to kind of get into some other stuff with the Chicago fire. Now the Chicago fire opened the scoring, none other than Yorgos Kutzius, my fellow countryman, even though I'm Hellenic American and he's straight from Greece. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start claiming him. Absolutely. Uh, Goal scored in the tenth minute. Great counterattacking goal, and this is again kind of what we want to see the Chicago Fire playing, and I think this is how they wanted to play throughout this season. Shabilko drops deep when New England has the ball. Not that I'm a fan of him doing that, and I've been critical of him doing that, but in this case, he's the second striker with Kuzius, and or he's one of two strikers with Kuzius, right? Not that lone striker in a 4-2-3-1 who needs to be playing as far up the field as he can and be an outlet, but in this case, you've got Kutsius on the other side of the field who can push forward, and Shabilko can kind of pinch back. For you hockey fans, yeah, use use the phrase pinch in, right? You're, where your forwards are coming back and helping out on defense here. It's exactly what Shabilko is doing. Gets in the passing lane on the right side of the pitch, gets the turnover, immediately lays it off to Shakiri. And, and that just shows you he's not trying to do too much. The team is just saying get the ball to Shaq and see what he can do, right? And Shakiri then can play it as he sees fit. And in this case, he takes one touch to control it. And then a beautiful left-footed lob over the top to Kutzius. He's able to get behind the defense, hold off the defenders, and slot it home. But the best part of this play is the growing relationship between the Swiss and the Greek, between Shakiri and Kutzius here because as soon as Shakiri gets the ball, Kutzius is off to the races, dead sprint. He knows what to expect from a soccer standpoint. But from a personal standpoint, you know, after the goal, Kutzius is celebrating with his teammates. But then when Shakiri shows up, he lets out a big yell and a big smile and it's a big hug. And Shakiri is responding in the kind, right? It's great. And even interim manager Frank Klopas sees it. When asked about Kutsius, Klopas first brings up Shakiri. Quote, look, we knew that we'd have opportunities in transition. It's something that we talked about and we prepared in our game plan. And, you know, once we got the ball with Shaq and they push numbers forward and then our ability in tr- transition to break the first line, and if we could find Shaq where he was able to turn and have runs behind, we knew we would get opportunities like that. End quote. So he, he talks about Kutius by first mentioning Shakiri and their game plan. He continues. You know, great start. He had a very good game, obviously, and a great finish there, but he helped the team. He worked extremely hard. He's just going to continue to develop and get better and better. We used him out wide almost as a second forward coming in, and, yeah, he showed a lot of composure with that finish. You see his pace getting behind. So he's a young player that's going to grow, and he definitely doesn't lack confidence, like I said, and obviously scored two goals now in two games, his first start. He did really well, and he's just got to continue to push in the right way, and he's just going to get better and better. And, quote, I expect to see a lot more of Yodogos Kutzius being employed by Frank Klopas and co, and I can't wait to see what else he's going to do. Now, in the 22nd minute, the fire go up 2-0 on an own goal uh, from Farrell. Now, a similar play to the first goal, Shabilko pinches back a bit, kind of puts some pressure, forces New England to turn it over to Shakiri, who again immediately hits a switch to Kutzius. Now, in this case, Kutzius was not as central, so he couldn't run directly at the goal and get a shot off. He was more off to the left, but Miguel Navarro reads it, makes the overlapping run, Kutzius lays it off. Navarro whips in a low hard cross, and it takes a deflection off a retreating Farrell. Now, everyone's got to know when you are playing defense, if you're running back towards your goal, there's so little you can do when the ball comes right at you where it won't be an own goal. Like Your momentum is taking you back towards the goal. You've got to get in a better position. In this case, Farrell was late getting back. But what's cool about this, this is what Miguel Navarro brings, that overlap, that speed, that crossing ability that's been a little underrated this season, probably because he's still making some boneheaded plays, picking up some temper-driven yellow cards. And it's going to be the big question of the offseason whether or not the Chicago Fire try to invest in their back line or they stick with Navarro, Suke, Aceves, uh, whether or not they extend his loan or make it permanent. These kind of guys, or if they're going to go in a different direction, depending on who their next manager is. Something to keep an eye on. Now New England gets on the board with Noel Buck just smashing one from about 20, 22 yards out. It was a banger here. And it, I think a lot of people are voting it goal of the week, right? Now this this goal isn't is mostly due to Noel Buck just having a rip and a quality finish. But it is in part due to the Fire's poor transition defense, which has been a theme this season. Go to Glasshouse Soccer on Twitter and look at the picture that I tweeted out. I snipped right before the ball gets played to Noel Buck, and he takes a couple touches and shoots. And you'll see that the four Fire defenders are converging on the ball and allowing all of the New England attackers to get, to get behind them. And that through ball gets to Buck, and he's able to have nothing but space and time and finds the back of the net. Now, in the 40th minute, Bobby Wood, yes, that Bobby Wood, scores off of a corner kick. The ball is played to the near post, flicked on by Christian McCoon, and Wood finds the gap in the fire's marking. Rises up, heads it to the far upper corner. Nothing Chris Brady could do. Wood could have placed that ball anywhere. Brady had to stay central, and by the time he knows where the ball is going, it is too late. Now, failing to defend set pieces, again, has been a signature of the Chicago Fire team this season. And we as fans now are starting to see that maybe it's the marking scheme. They've been playing a lot of zone marking. And you saw the Chicago Fire line up just straight down the six-yard line on this one. All the defenders were just right down the six-yard line. They were ball-watching, not marking men. So they are zonal marking, and they are not responding to where the attacking players are. And in this case, when it's flicked on like that by the near post runner, by Christian McCoon, they cannot adjust because they're watching the ball and it's too late. If they're marking men or marking a zone, then uh, I'm sorry, if they're marking men instead of marking a zone, then they can read their man and follow him and at least get a challenge up. If you watch the replay, Bobby Wood is the only player who jumps on an outswinging corner. It's ridiculous that no fire player actually jumped toward the ball or even put a body on Bobby Wood. Free headers, and yeah, he ain't the same young buck he used to be, but Bobby Wood is still good enough to put this on frame and score. Now, the Fire regained the lead late in the 79th minute off a Maren Haile Selassie strike. Another goal off a turnover encounter. Now, let me just ask a question to, to the podcast community here, to our YouTube community. Are you all concerned that the Chicago Fire are having a difficult time maintaining possession and trying to build an attack, or you totally fine with them counterattacking and scoring that way? Message me, email me at glass, uh, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. Direct messages on Twitter are open. I mean, we're even on Facebook, all at glasshousesoccer. Uh, let me know what you think. Because personally, I'm okay with the counterattacking style. As long as the fire commit to it and know that that's what they're going to do, that's how they want to play. And hey, they dropped three on New England. So if they can do that, then I'm okay with it. But the key to this highly Selassie goal was the turnover, the quick ball into the middle, gets to Kai Kamara, who draws in most of the defense. And if you watch the replay, I don't know if Kai purposely taps it over to Selassie or if he just kind of, he can't get to the ball, so he's just shielding it and trying to let it roll through. Uh, and it takes a deflection off his foot. I'll give Kai the benefit of the doubt. He was credited with an assist. So we'll say that. But but then Selassie with such great instinct and technique to one-time it with the left foot to the near post corner. Beautiful. However, as we've seen the fire do over and over again, late game, set piece. This time, it's Josie Altidore to equalize in the 83rd minute. Another goal conceded off a corner kick. And for the fire, this falls mostly on Aceves. He just looked lost on the far post there for the Chicago fire. But I won't say it was all his fault because he ended up having to mark two men. There was Josie Altidore, and I forget who the other New England player was. It may have been Vrioni. He, he had to pick him up, um, and he had, he had to pick one of those two guys to mark, pick the wrong guy. The ball gets flicked on again. No fire player are challenging this ball in the air or any of the New England players bodying him up, just trying to throw him off a little bit. The ball ends up getting flicked on almost in the goal itself, off the flick, and Altidore just taps it in. Again, nothing Chris Brady could do. Aceves ended up marking the wrong man. He ended up marking the man on the far side, or the further behind him, instead of marking Josie Altidore in front of him. So he made the wrong choice, but the rest of the fire defense, again, were in that zone-marking scheme where they are just lined up on the six-yard, and nobody knows who's going to get the ball, and every time it's the New England player flicking it on. So that's what they got to work on in training this week. If they're going to have training this week, it's a quick turnaround to a Wednesday night game against Toronto and then Saturday and then US Open Cup on Tuesday. So we'll see if film sessions are going to be enough for the fire here. Couple other quick notes on the fire before we take our halftime break. Chris Mueller out for the remainder of the season after arthroscopic hip surgery. We knew he had been out uh, nursing a hip injury for a while, and they finally got the right diagnosis of it, I suppose. Not that I know what that is, but he ended up with an arthroscopic hip surgery. Um, by all accounts, it's gone well, and he just needs the rest of the season to recover. Additionally, Mauricio Pineda was in concussion protocol coming out of this game in the 61st minute, resulting in Chihos having to come on in and uh, hopefully cut, and not hopefully, it did cut some of his recovery Uh shorter here and we'll see how fit he is for Wednesday night game. I don't know if Pineda is going to be able to get out of the concussion protocol at that time, but that's up to the team doctors and the MLS protocols. Now, before we look ahead to the matchup against TFC, we're going to take a short break for our featured guest, John Donovan here on the podcast side of things. So we're going to pause on YouTube. Make sure you follow along on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. So for now, John, take it away.
1: Mike, John Donovan here. Sorry I'm a little bit late. I broke my wrist. F- fell and uh spent a couple hours in the hospital getting the old wrist fixed up. I'm sure it'll be better soon. But uh I wanted to get this podcast in, especially after these last two games. Uh the Austin game, I think it was one of the finest fire games I have seen in a while. This change in in uh Shakiri is almost spooky. I, he must not have gotten along with Ezra because he's playing better, not fabulous. he is playing better. he doesn't have that running ability that he probably had when he was younger, but his passes do create problems i mean he had him and kutius kuutiius is a find I mean this guy I hope he's with us a long time because every time he gets the ball he's he's a um He's a threat to the other team. I really like watching him play. And in that Austin game, the whole team played well. Walked away with a 2-1 win, I believe. But, um, you know, the fire have changed under Frankie. Now, traditionally, remember, folks, Frankie goes good, and he'll win a few games, tie a few games, and then suddenly as um, Rolf. I ran into Rolf one day, and he says he loses the locker room like a lead ball. So hopefully that doesn't happen this year, and he's a little smarter. But going into that New England game, I, I didn't know what to think, especially when I saw that lineup. You know, he has never tried that lineup. And, you know, the the only I, – I mean, honestly, I like changes. I like Kutias being on that field. The guy is – he is our center forward for a while, I believe. I love watching him play. I love the way he attacked the goals – I love the way he shoots. He's got the whole thing going together. He's really a great addition to the squad of young, young players. Um, Shakiri has played well, but you know, Gutierrez, his future is as a center mid, and having Shakiri in there um, kind of stifles it. I still believe it was. We've had some good games this past couple of games, but I firmly believe the best games that the Fire played this year were Mueller, um, Kamara, um, Haile Selassie, and Gutierrez under. It didn't include uh, Shakiri, but they're desperately trying to push Shakiri on us. So, um, you know, he's there. I mean, he, he has picked up his game. He's more active. Something must have happened between him and Ezra that that he didn't want to play for him. But um the the opening lineup was odd for the uh New England game. He had Kutsis and Casper up front with Shakiri down below. And uh he had Gutierrez out there, but you know, it just was a odd um lineup. Um he had Omberg, Pineda, and Bur- and Burks. And Burks to me is uh, every time you put him out there it's just a little bit of a a question mark. But Pineda, he's a good player. Unfortunately, in this game, he got whacked in the face with the ball and he was put out. But the game itself, a soccer, you know, other than a win, which sometimes doesn't come, who could ask for a better game? Uh, New England to open our fire opened up two nothing on some real one particularly nice goal by Kutis and then an old goal by New England. Um it was an odd play by uh, Jeff Farrell, who always oh, is steady. I mean, he is, I think he's played 300 games or something. He's a very dependable player. But he just got too close to the goal, and the ball went in. Um, you know, the beginning of the game, the fire were taking it to him. Um, and they they walked away with early points. It was 2 nothing fire going into, oh, the 34th minute. Um and they somehow or another scored two goals and the team went in two nothing. Um uh the fire were up two nothing, but um New England had not given up and they were at home and they had great fans and they were going at the game. Um they had uh this guy Burks on the team and I, I he shot a shot. The first goal he scored was a thing of beauty it was about 30 yards out and he just nobody came out to meet him no central mids at all came out to meet him and he just wound up and put the lace to the ball and it was bingo in the goal um just like the way uh those long shots but Kutsias scored on the first goal of the game with an assist from shakiri and again you couldn't ask for a prettier play you had two guys hanging on him he held the ball up a little bit. Both the guys ran past him, and he just drilled the ball through one of their legs. He's sharp, uh, Kutzias. But then the, the New England started coming back, and Bobby Woods, who's got to be coming to the end of his years, got a very nice head ball, um, very nice head ball. And finally, um, New England ties it up, and I, I just was really wondering what's happening here. First 25 minutes was all fire. And then suddenly, way soccer is, the tide started to flow the other way. Um, Arena put in Carlos Gil. He made some really good uh, substitutions. But I think that Klopas made some decent substitutions, too. Um, He had to pull Pinedo off because he was hurt. But um, he made some good good plays in there. Uh, The last goal... The fire were up three to two, and I just am still in shock that this guy's even paying and number that's number one. and number two, he's making over two million bucks, which kind of pisses me off if I was one of the young players out there. A um, avisas, one of our um, uh, one of our guys, um, he played in Atlas last year. We thought he was good. He just let up on Josie Altador. And Altidore, being big, mean, and agile, pocked that last ball in and tied up the game, and the game ended up 3-3. Uh, three to three. Very exciting game. Two good coaches. Um, I don't know why Arena continually goes for some of these old birds that played for him a long time ago. But, um, you know, the Fire are showing some spunk. I mean, they need a couple of wins in a row. Um and maybe this weekend they might get it. They're playing Toronto, which should be a win. I mean, it should be something that they can tee off on. So, um, you know, I, I can't... Guys of the game, I, I you have to say Kutsis was like a tremendous player this game. Selassie was tremendous. I thought Pineda played real well until he got hurt. Um, you know, we had a lot of people that... Bobby Woods played uh, well. It's just everybody seemed to pick up. Oh, one other guy that really is starting to be where he should have been. Uh, You know, the injuries just killed him is Torres. I can see Torres isn't totally there yet, but he's fast. He's not like overly aggressive and arguing and all of this stuff He's going to be a good player for the fire. I really think he was going to be a good fight player. So that's it, Mike or Nick. Um, Mike, I hope you're listening. We think about you all the time. Um, We're looking forward to next week's game. So have a good day, Nick. Thanks for the opportunity here.
0: John, thank you so much for your input on the Chicago Fire. Always great to have your commentary and your thoughts And I really wish you a speedy recovery on the broken wrist. Sorry to hear that. I hope you weren't punching something in anger at the Chicago fire, blowing two leads in this game, but a speedy recovery to you, my friend. And a reminder to all of our viewers and listeners, Feed the Fire is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Icelandic for clear. Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland, With naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water, clearly. Pun intended, it's one of the best. And again, thank you to John and Skira for always being a supporter of the Feed the Fire podcast. Now let's take a look ahead to the next matchup this Wednesday against Toronto FC. The Fire are traveling up north to BMO Field. Hope their passports are in order because they're going to need everyone if they're going to want to come back with three points against the likes of TFC. Now, TFC, though, like the Fire, have struggled so far this season, and like the Fire, their fans were questioning whether the return to the playoffs is an attainable goal this season. TFC has been without at least one of their star Italians, Bernardeschi or Insigne for most of the season. One of them always seems to be hurt are out which has really hampered their efforts um and sean johnson just hasn't been playing to that top tier goalkeeper level as he had been playing with nycfc or even with the u.s national team Uh, but also people are speculating head coach bob bradley is unable to adapt his style of play to the roster or just be that great coach that we have seen him be in the past whether it's the Metro stars or the fire uh, or whether it's when he was successful with the USMNT, but he just doesn't seem to have it with TFC so far this season. Also Bradley held Bernadeschi out of the last match Coach's decision that he didn't play after Bernadeschi called out Bob Bradley for not having an identity or not having a style of play, go and find his quotes. Cause they're, they're pretty harsh. He's like, I he said something along the lines of, When we don't have an idea of what we're doing, I can't play like that. I'm not effective if we don't have an idea of how we want to play. So, yep, straight up taking a shot at Bradley and got benched for it. We'll see if he is back for this game against the Fire and if he is how much. Now, looking at TFC kind of more more in depth here, their record overall, three wins, five losses, seven draws. But at home, three wins, one loss, and four draws. So they're much better at home. Now, no one player on Toronto is kind of dominating goals or assists, but a lot of their play, in fact, the bulk of their offense, is either running through Richie Larea or through Bernadeschi. Now, Larea is top three on the team in ball progression numbers, passing or dribbling, is fourth on the team in expected assists or key passes, depending on which metric system you're using here. And again, if it's not Larea, it's Bernadeschi. Bernadeschi also is top three or four on TFC in all these advanced categories. And if Bernadeschi is not going to be playing this much due to coaching decision or otherwise, it will place much more of the burden on Insigne and Asorio. Now, Insigne is coming off, again, coming off of his best statistical performance, maybe his best overall performance in a TFC jersey, assisting their two goals in their latest victory. And jonathan osorio we know his potential is he finally back into his groove and can he live up to that potential those guys also towards the top of tfc's roster in offensive categories right so those are the guys you're gonna have to look out for and if any of them are off then the fire could take advantage of this road game and come back with at least a point so where can the fire take advantage assuming those guys are on TFC typically play a 4-3-3, but Bob Bradley is tinkered with a 3-4-3 or a 4-2-3-1 over the last few games. Um, Toronto is one of the better passing teams in MLS, and this is according to the website fbref.com, but they are near the bottom of the league in shot-creating actions. So all these passes, all these progressions, all this possession, and they are one of the lowest shot-creating teams in the league. Maybe Bernadeschi was on to something there, Bob Bradley. Maybe maybe the Italian star might also know a little bit something about the game. If I'm the fire, then get into a good defensive shape. Prevent those counterattacks and transition moments. Mark on your set pieces. Force those turnovers and counterattack like you did against New England. I don't know if they're going to come out with a back three like they did against New England, and maybe you bring Chihos in. uh, and then split Pineda and Olmsburg out wide because I'm still not there with Burks. I I mean, if you've got Insigne or Bernadeschi or heck even Larea or Osorio running at Kendall Burks, I don't know if I'm going to favor the fire defender in that one, but if they stick with a similar game plan to New England, which, you know, if TFC does have two strikers up top or with this short week, are you really going to try and change things up that much? Then, maybe you keep the same game plan and you could take advantage of it with some counter attacking play. Again, I just hope they can defend those few corners and steal a win on the road. Though, if you're going to be glass half full, you take the point on the road against the conference foe. Now let's look at some of the odds and predictions here, right? The odds, according to bet MGM, and this is Monday evening has TFC at plus one Oh five. The draw tie at plus 250, and the Fire at plus 240. So again, this match, according to the odds makers on BetMGM, is as likely to end in a draw as it is a Chicago Fire victory. Um, TFC um, just slightly better odds, though not a clear favorite in this one at plus 105. Almost, uh, almost a, a straight bet for TFC to win. Probably not a lot of value in this one. Here's a little trivia though that may sway some money on to TFC nine of Chicago's 14 MLS matches this season have seen a result changing goal scored in the final 15 minutes, including conceding late equalizers in each of their last two matches, a pair of three, three draws. The fire have lost 13 points from winning positions this season. Let me read that again. So it sinks in the fire have lost 13 points from winning positions this season, more than any other team in MLS. that trivia is from MLSsoccer.com. So based on the odds, based on that little bit of trivia that we just heard, based on everything that's been going on, the short weeks, the turnarounds, and the fact that if Bernadeschi plays, he's probably going to be one of the most well-rested players on the pitch. I just can't pick the Fire to win. I'm going to go with a 2-1 TFC victory here. Sorry, Fire fans. I'm telling you, I'm glass half empty. I am that pessimist until the Fire actually start winning games few other notes from around the league, some notable results. Charlotte beats the Galaxy 1-0. The Galaxy in shambles. Co find the video on Twitter or on social media where just several Galaxy players are standing by the supporters section just having it handed to them. Or maybe it's a, a coaching moment from the fans, but the Galaxy are in shambles. I think I heard they even met with supporters. I don't know if that was the video just on the pitch or if there was an official meeting, but not looking good. In Carson, sporting Kansas City 4 1 victors over the Timbers, and they even conceded first. Did Kansas City just need to get healthy? Are are the Peter Vermees detractors starting to have to walk back a little bit, or is this just a blip and Kansas City can't sustain it? We will see. Now, Nashville also with a big 3 1 victory against Columbus, uh, after again conceding first, and this was a huge result uh for eastern conference standings because right now we have cincinnati and Nashville in the one two spot new england and philly in the third and fourth spots in the east with the fire in 12th out west we've got seattle st louis lafc and dallas as your top four teams so keep an eye on them and we'll see what these midweek games as we start to get into some of the warmer weather in spring and summer will do to the mls standings And with that, I want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Big thanks to John Donovan and a speedy recovery to your broken wrist. Make sure you follow on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, follow along on social media, and above all, let's go fire!